Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So this time of year, really all we have is just arguing back and forth with each other a little bit, it seems like. And that's kind of when it comes to, to, to college football world. That's sort of what social media is for. There's just the chirping back and forth that goes on. And for the most part, it's all good natured and good fun. Now, there are some morons out there who take it too far. And obviously, you know, we never like that when it happens. But for the most part, you know, the kind of thing we do to sort of pass the time in the summer and the off season is we kind of go back and forth we argue about kind of silly things and eventually the fall will be here and we'll start watching football games and then we'll have something real to argue about but for right now you just sort of make up whatever to kind of argue about and discuss and listen I'm sort of in favor of all of it we do this show from kind of a fan perspective I think that's kind of a fun way to do things we try not to take anything too seriously we certainly hopefully don't take ourselves too seriously so I'm kind of here for the whole like hey fan base is going back and forth people going back and forth with me I have pretty thick skin about stuff like that doesn't bother me too much however there is one thing that sometimes people say and I would encourage Georgia fans not to say this and I think that when opposing fans say this it always just sort of reels itself to be about the dumbest thing I believe you can say in one of these sort of college football oriented arguments anytime somebody brings something up there's the person that always retorts back with ha 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 so and so oh we're living rent free in your heads it's that particular phrase right there the idea of somebody living quote rent free in your head in other words that you're talking about my favorite team you're thinking about my favorite team because that's all you ever do but the truth is is that's what we all do right we all do that you know georgia fans like to make fun of their rivals the rivals one of these days are hopefully going to have in their mind anyway hopefully going to have something they can make fun of georgia about again it may be a while before they have any true fodder in a discussion like that but the point is we kind of go back and forth and anytime a florida fan sees his team mentioned or alabama fan sees his team team mentioned there's a there's a tendency to want to kind of bounce back with, ah, oh, I guess, you know, <laughs> Alabama is still living rent free in these Georgia fans' heads. Or Florida fans saying, ah, oh, Gators still living rent free in your heads. Why are you thinking about us so much? But the truth is, is you think about that kind of thing because that's what it's about. Part of the fun of Georgia winning back to back national championships is rubbing your rivals' faces. That it's good to have the trophy and it's good to have the championship. But one of the things that is so good about that is you can go around to the rivals, the teams that you compete with, and say, hey, guess what? This is how big the gap is between us and you right now is that we're winning national championships. This team's winning national championships. You can only dream about that. You have to reach back to the distant past to even find any of that. And it just kind of comes – becomes more fodder for the back and forth stuff that goes on this time of year when it comes to the the rival fan bases chirping back and forth with each other. Now, I say all of that to say this – that around here for a long time we have really pushed an idea and you've heard me say it a million million times leaders are repeaters and we have repeated this over and over again our belief that a good georgia fan is a gator hater first and foremost that is why we end every show with what we call the gator hater countdown counting down the number of days until georgia plays florida because we believe even in a year when georgia is not losing to anyone that happened this past year it may happen again this year even in a year when Georgia's not losing to anybody there is still something about taking care of your rivalry games there's still something about understanding what your rivalry games are and making sure you use those as a first step towards all the championship success that you want to have it's both important from a procedural standpoint towards winning championships but it's also just kind of important from a cultural standpoint it's one of the things that kind of makes college football college football and listen even as you know the sport has become very lucrative and it's big business and there's a lot of money attached to it all there are still a lot of things that a lot of us like about college football separate from the nfl and it's the cultivation of these rivalries that's a big part of that so we kind of understand that around here we believe that while georgia has a lot of rivalries big you know state geographic speaking you know a lot of uh, competitive programs kind of existing around the border and you can talk about auburn you can talk about tennessee you might even talk about georgia tech but you better be talking about the florida gators as we call them around here the lousy stinking gators because as we said over and over and over again a good Georgia fan is a Gator hater first and foremost. The official mascot of Dog Nation Daily, Eddie the Blind Squirrel, he believes that. He's on my desk every day holding this nice Gator hater sign. Obviously, we've sold eight gazillion t-shirts in reference to all of this. That's just something around here that we really believe. So as someone who has been a big Georgia fan my whole life, been a big believer that Georgia's most hated rival will and always will should be the Florida Gators, the lousy stinking Gators, 
Nolan Smith and what Nolan Smith said recently is so much fun that it just, I think, appropriate to kind of take a moment just to sort of celebrate that here on the show just for a moment. I don't have some large point to make about all of this. I will make, you know, a couple of small points on but I don't necessarily have just some large point to make about all of this. I just think it's just sort of fun. And it starts with going back to draft night here for a moment. Now, the NFL put this out, and for whatever reason, they put a music bed underneath this, so it makes it a little bit hard to hear it. But nonetheless, as we told you before, Howie Roseman, the Philadelphia Eagles GM, who may be an even bigger Georgia fan than you and me, but nonetheless, you know, Roseman, the Eagles GM, we joked about this the other day, that Roseman acknowledged that as a Florida grad, that he's basically been kicked out of the Gator Alumni Club because of all the uh, Georgia players that he's drafted. And when he drafted Nolan Smith at the end of the first round a couple of Thursday nights ago and kind of told Nolan that, Nolan, who's always been quick-witted, I mean, Nolan is just, I mean, if he wants to be a broadcaster in his future he could be on ESPN college game day he could probably do just about anything that he wanted to and the moment that Roseman brought this up Nolan came firing back with a uh, great quick retort right away which is just kind of what Nolan does and this sort of sets us up for where we want to go today so let's go back to draft night Roseman on the phone with Nolan music bed underneath but hopefully you can kind of still kind of make out what's uh, going on here this is Howie Roseman with Nolan Smith so obviously you kind of hear that then i told you there's music underneath underneath that but uh roseman's telling nolan right there hey you know i'm taking all these george bulldog players florida gators they're, they're, you know they're not happy with me right now and then nolan at the end goes yeah but you want to win don't you you want to win and howie roseman you heard him say like the yes i do more than you want to know but what's amazing is this is an off-the-cuff conversation roseman says that and then nolan's right there right away of hey you know you may be a florida guy but if you want to be on the winning side right now then you got to have you a bunch of Georgia Bulldogs in your roster, which is exactly what Howie Roseman has done. And that is a very funny thing from uh, Nolan Smith there on all of that. So when Nolan was recently introduced to the Philadelphia media, my, my, oh my, all those people up in the Northeast were sort of used to a more NFL style culture. You know, what is it going to be like for them with all these Georgia guys on this Eagles roster and kind of the college footballization, if that's even a word, of the Philadelphia football culture here? I think it's really interesting to see. And so Nolan was asked in his press conference, this is the thing, if you're a Georgia fan, I think you got to love this. I think you got to take some time to appreciate all of this. Uh, Nolan was asked, hey, that quick response that you had of when he said, I'm a Florida Gator, they're not happy with me right now. And Nolan came back just right away with, yeah, but you want to win. So therefore, you want to bunch of dogs around you uh how did you come up with that so quick well you know nolan kind of went into some detail about exactly what that's about and kind of what his mindset is that sort of cultivates all of this uh here is uh nolan smith with the uh, philadelphia media talking about you know kind of the genesis of his exchange there with howie roseman how'd you have that at the reddit that quick oh man the group come back you know witty witty south georgia guys you know that's all we do is talk trash to each other so it was real easy for him for me to say that too especially i don't really like florida not whatsoever (laughs) i mean you know it's amazing you know you got to put your past in your past but i would never forget i'm always a gator hater i don't care i mean if i could put that on a plaque if i could put that if i could paint that on the walls if i could do whatever (laughs) Do you know what that means to me to have a guy like Nolan Smith who just contributed to two straight national championships who became a permanent captain on the team that just went 15 and 0 and even at the end of his career when he was you know injured not able to play was still helping propel this team to the success that it was enjoying when a guy like that who's got real genuine hardware that he can point to and he can brag about for his own football career when a guy like that says yeah but I'll be I'm still a Gator hater and listen I may go on to the NFL and I'm gonna be paid tens of millions of dollars and I'm gonna you know cash in here in a huge way but i'm still a gator hater and down in south we talk trash and (laughs) this guy may be the one that's making me rich but i'm gonna still tell him what's up when it comes to the college football situation around here do you know what that means to me and i would presume what that also means to you there as well i mean there is just something to that that i think is just really fun but to make a quick point here i think it also goes beyond being fun there as well i mean to me you got to have this on your roster. You, you just got to have this on your roster. And I know that 
uh, you know, around here, we've obviously gotten used to seeing Georgia win with some of the top national recruits. And that's always a really good thing to see. You know, Georgia may bring in a quarterback this year from Arizona. You know, it certainly brought in, you know, big time players from from all across the country. And it's good to have the very best players. And you go wherever you have to go to get the very best players. But it's important to have some of this in your culture there, too. You know, in the Canadian Football League, I think there's a rule. I'm not sure exactly what it is. But I think there's a rule that you have to have a certain number of Canadians on every team in the Canadian Football League. Otherwise, they're afraid it won't be the Canadian Football League anymore. I'm not saying there should ever be a rule down here in Georgia. But there should be sort of an unofficial rule of, okay, you can go to Nevada and get this guy. And you can go to Arizona and get that guy. And you can go to, you know, wherever and get that guy. You can go up north and get that guy. But you better have, as, as Nolan said there, some South Georgia guys. You, you, you better have a good number of that on your team if you want Georgia to feel like Georgia. You better have guys that know the Georgia-Florida rivalry matters. You better have guys that can help instruct other players from other parts of the world You know exactly what the culture is down here, what matters, and help propel you on all that. You better have a good bit of that as the nucleus of your team. And I'm not saying that you know, guys like Nolan Smith are better players because they are from Georgia or in Nolan's case, South Georgia. Now, he went to IMG Academy for a little while, but he's obviously a Savannah guy. He claims the state uh, certainly in a very profound way. Yeah, I'm not saying that makes him a better player, but having a good bit of that on your team, I do think makes Georgia a better program. I just do. I just think there's a certain cultural connection and a cultural nucleus maybe that guys like that help cultivate that you wouldn't have if you didn't have enough of that on your team so go nationally and get whoever you can get get the very best players you can but the the sort of cultural cohesion that 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 george is trying to establish i think that's made better when you got guys like nolan smith that say listen this is how we do it down here we hate florida and even when florida's you know scuffling to a losing season uh you know winning more uh i should say losing more sec games than they're winning going to you know a bowl game out west and getting embarrassed by oregon state even in a situation like that uh, we still are Gator haters around here. And yeah, my career is done. I've gone on to Philadelphia. I'm in the NFL and I'm getting paid a whole bunch of money. I'm doing this as a business now. But you better believe in my heart, my soul, I'm still a Gator hater and I always will be. That's both fun for a Georgia fan to hear a, a former dog say, but I think it's also important to understand just how much that becomes a fabric of the part of the Georgia culture and helps propel this team year after year after year. Now, let me give you one more quick one from Nolan here, too, because this got some attention there as well. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles also drafted Keely Ringo there as well. Speaking of going nationally and getting great players, Ringo obviously you know, uh, finished his high school career there in Arizona, and Keeley had the great moment in Indianapolis, the national championship game to conclude the 2021 season, uh, getting the interception and uh, taking it back to the house. And Nolan Smith, who's just such a good storyteller, was talking about that moment for Keely Ringo, and this kind of got some attention. I just, I just wanted to play this is on a slightly different subject here, but just a good clip from Nolan talking about his now Eagles teammate Keely Ringo. Folks liked this. You will too. Here's Nolan again. Man, I could relive that moment all day. I remember me coming off a pass rush move. I thought I could have dipped more, and all I seen was Keely going to L. I said, Lord, let him come down with this ball. And then he came down with it, and then I realized he ain't going down. I said, oh, yeah, it's time to ride. So, you know, the first first mindset of a defensive player, oh, yeah, I'm about to go catch me a body. I'm about to – somebody about to be lacking. So I ran to the other side just creeping and looking like, who going to be – who going to be mine? Who going to be mine? And um, I just remember Coach Smart yelling, go down, and we like, hell no. We about to let go. We Everybody's saying, no, Keely, don't go down. And that's just one of those moments like – and I say that's that connection piece just because I'll pull harder for Keeley just for what he did for me. And he, he may never know that, like, other than when you ask that. So, man. I mean, is there anything you wouldn't listen to Nolan Smith tell a story about? I mean, like, what a great retelling of that great moment in Georgia football history. And it's kind of funny to think, you know, Kirby was telling them to get down. They're like, no, we're going to the house here, which obviously kind of just shows you that the uh, 2021 Georgia defense, it kind of sort of established a personality of its own by the time you got to the end of that season that they, you know, felt confident what they needed to do right there, which is kind of a cool thing. You want players to play. These players felt comfortable playing. And I think that's a, a, a really cool thing. And it's a great story as told by Nolan Smith, who maintains his Gator hater credentials all the way to the end, even on his way to the NFL. This is why so many Georgia fans right now say, yeah, we're rooting for the Eagles. Yeah, we're, we're what is it, Eagle Dogs or, you know, Dogadelphia, whatever this people are saying these days. That's why so many Georgia fans feel that way. It's guys like Nolan Smith still representing UGA well, even as they move on to the next level. 
My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We are presented today by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, and we are happy to have you with us. No matter how you get to us live on video, it's 945 first and 15, dognation.com, dognation app, 10 a.m. after that. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all kinds of video ways to watch our program. And if you'd like to listen to it, well, you can do that just about any podcast platform you can find. You can hear Dog Nation Daily. Also, listen to the radio there as well on Athens Sports Radio 960 Ref. We like to make the show as readily available as possible, and we are so thankful for a great sponsor like our friends at Palo Endo and Door of Georgia who help us make all of that possible. And they can do great things for you there as well. If you're in the market for better windows, better doors, after all, a great homeowner wants to take great care of his or her home, and that's what Pella Windows and Doors allow you to do. It makes your home feel better on the inside. You know, it's it's been hot. It's about to be hotter which means that AC is cranked up. You want to keep that cool air on the inside of your house. You want to feel good and comfortable. When you walk in your home, there's nothing like that feeling of open the door, you step in, you close it, it just sort of feels like home. In the wintertime, that's because the heat kind of wraps around you. In the summertime, because it kind of feels nice and cool and fresh, you just love the feeling inside your home. Well, it's great windows and doors that help keep that good feeling inside the house. If it's, you know, poorly fitted or, or you know, kind of poorly sealed, uh, you know, windows, doors, kind of an inferior product, you may have, you know, some of that stuff on the inside of your house creeping out where you don't want it to be, or some of the stuff on the outside kind of creeping in. That's never a good thing. Uh, Pella windows and doors, they don't do that. Plus, they make your home look better on the outside, which is always a really good thing there, too. So I think it's probably about time for you to have one of those no-pressure consultations with one of the Pella experts. You can stop by and see them there at the Experience Center in Duluth, and they can walk you through everything here, the entire product line. the 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 You can put your hands on the product and sort of feel what makes it different, what makes it better. They can also talk about installation options, uh, financing options if need be there as well. They can even tell you about some great savings here too because between now and May 22nd, you can get 10% off your entire project or 0% APR for 24 months. So make sure you take advantage of that. As I said before, stop by and see them in Duluth or find them online at uh, PellaofGA.com slash dognation. That's PellaofGA.com slash dognation or give them a call 678-638-1429. That's 678-638-1429. Pella Window and Door of Georgia is viewed to be the best. Now, coming up in a couple of minutes, I'm going to announce the first of our Kroger uh, Perfect Moms uh, giveaways. We told you about that last week. We're getting ready for Mother's Day this upcoming Sunday. Uh, Kroger's been a great resource for us for a number of years when it comes to getting ready for Mother's Day around my house. And obviously, for the last few years here on Dog Nation Daily, we've also been helping us celebrate some moms in our audience. So we will do that here with our first winner of the week coming up in just a moment. Prior to that, I want to go around the doghouse, though. And I want to go back to the past here for a moment because I think what has happened in Georgia's past is instructive for what's about to happen in the future. In other words, when you enjoy a much better summer now than maybe some Georgia fans have enjoyed in the past, I think it's important to kind of understand why this is. So the other day, uh, Trevor Lawrence, the great former Clemson quarterback, and he was a great player, uh, was on some podcast somewhere. He was talking about you know how he ended up at Clemson. And one of the things he revealed in this podcast, I don't have the audio to play for you. I'm just going to read you a quote here. But one of the things that Lawrence revealed is how close in his mind he almost came to, to actually attending Georgia instead of Clemson. I want to read you this quote, Lawrence, from the podcast. I forget the name, of it, but it's on the uh, quote. Can we see the Lawrence quote here? I want to read this to folks here. Uh, so this is from the Journey podcast. This is not a podcast I'm familiar with, and this is not the Rock Band Journey. This is the Journey podcast. Trevor Lawrence saying, I wasn't a Georgia fan, but I grew up in Georgia. It's close to home. They recruited me super hard, them and Clemson. I loved Georgia, Trevor Lawrence said, and loved the campus. Obviously, what they're doing, the program, you see what it is now. He says, this is actually kind of interesting. He says, what you see that Georgia's doing now, I saw it before, and I knew what they were building. Isn't that interesting? Trevor Lawrence, who's a Clemson guy through and through, obviously uh, happy of this time there with the program, says, uh, what all y'all see taking place at Georgia now, I sort of saw a vision of what that could be back then. And that vision was so powerful in Lawrence's mind, he's like, hey, you know, uh, I almost, you know, I, I could have gone there. But a lot of you also know there as well, and you can go back and read, you know, about this at dognation.com. There are stories in the past. Our producer, Michael Carvel, has even written one of these about the fact that some of the Lawrence story actually even predates Kirby Smart here, that, that some of what that uh, what Trevor says there is actually maybe just sort of being nice, that the actual truth is there's a great legend, and as I said before, you know, Dog Nation's written about this in the past, of Lawrence as a very, very young guy 
attending what used to be known as Dog Night. Uh, you know, that was the big recruiting event of the summer back when Mark Rick was coach. And Rick's last year, Georgia 2015, this is when Brian Schottenheimer came in as offensive coordinator. Schottenheimer, obviously, one of the worst hires in program history. Schottenheimer's pretty much been a terrible hire everywhere he's ever been hired, but because his last name is famous, he just keeps getting NFL jobs over and over again because that's what the NFL does. Um, but but nonetheless, it's a different topic for a different day. A lot of you are very, very, very well aware that even though that night, you know, prior to the 2015 season, in that summertime, Lawrence comes, uh, performs very well there that day, but dog night is so chaotic that like, that somehow basically Trevor Lawrence just left dog night without an offer uh, from, from George there that day, which obviously opened the door for Clemson to step in and win the recruitment. And so when you go back and you hear about this, and it's not my point to kind of bring up something negative on a summer Monday, and we're actually kind of in a pretty good mood. But I think it's just really, really instructive how different things are now than they were then. And listen, I don't put this on Rick. I sort of put this on Brian Schottenheimer. I, now, maybe you can put it on Rick for hiring Shotty, uh, much like everybody else who's ever hired him, obviously, you know, living to regret it. But nonetheless, um, I, I put this on Schottenheimer more than I put it on Rick. Maybe I just like Rick better. But, but nonetheless, um, Schottenheimer completely dropped the ball on the uh, Trevor Lawrence recruitment. Lawrence goes on to Clemson and really becomes, I would say, a historic figure in college football. He's certainly one of the best modern quarterbacks this sport has seen. Now, all of that is to say this. Thank goodness that things aren't that way anymore. Now, I want you to appreciate this here for a moment because here's what's about to happen. You know, go back to um, to Friday's edition of Dog Nation Daily if you haven't had a chance to hear it already. At the end of my conversation with Jeff Sintel, what we got into is what's about to come next for Georgia football. And what's coming next for Georgia football is – we have the the event known as the scavenger hunt where the recruits show up and they go around campus and they're basically trying to find Kirby Smart, but they're also stopping and seeing things along the way. It's just kind of a clever way to kind of give them a little bit of a sense of what the Georgia campus feels like and the kind of fun natured stuff that Georgia likes to do. It is a recruiting event. It's a pretty big one. And then you've also got massive official visits coming up. You know, obviously that you know, first week in June with all those guys coming in, Jeremiah Smith coming in for an official visit, uh, KJ Bull, uh, you know, all these major names we're going to mention, they're about to take official visits. And this is the thing that I think you got to notice about how the Georgia recruiting apparatus works now compared to the way it maybe didn't work back when Trevor Lawrence, by his own admission, was like, hey, I was considering coming to Georgia. But ultimately, as the story has been told, you know, Georgia maybe just not procedurally handling the Lawrence recruitment as well as it possibly could is that do not discount the role that organization plays in what Georgia does from a recruiting standpoint now. I mean, obviously, Georgia's on top of the college football world, but Kirby Smart has kind of said many times that the actual national championship trophies themselves don't necessarily help you win with recruits as much as you might think they would. It's not a it's not an easy path to, to get in recruiting victories just because you're holding the trophies. And even in this sort of NIL age, and obviously Georgia, we think, plays at that level about as well as anybody does, certainly when it comes to the actual recruiting budget in terms of traveling around and stuff like that, no one outspends Georgia when it comes to that part of it. We think Georgia holds its own NIL there as well. But even in the midst of money being a bigger impact in the recruiting world than maybe it used to be, Still don't discount the role that organization plays in all of this. The idea of we know who's on campus. We know what our outreach to those players is going to be. We know how we plan on staying in touch once they leave. We extend offers in a timely manner. We follow up on that with the kind of appropriate outreach that gives us the best chance of getting to yes with the recruits. It's one of those things that if you know Kirby ever wanted to write a book or something like that, that's the kind of thing I actually think would be a pretty interesting you know idea of the the actual mechanics of how he does what he does it's more than georgia just being georgian hey we're winning so come here and be a part of the winning or hey we've got some money so come here and cash in it, it's kind of more than that uh even even it's it, it's even more than hey come here and follow the other players who've gone on to great nfl success i believe it's also kind of more than that too i know it's a cliche but it is kind of true the old thing they used to say about teachers they don't care how much you know until you know that until they know how much you care like george is just really good right now at showing recruits how much they care how much the program cares about them procedurally they make sure it is obvious procedurally and organizationally they make sure it can't be missed whereas i think guys like trevor lawrence at one point in time would have said i was interested in georgia but i wasn't quite so sure how interested georgia was in me that's a huge mistake it's a catastrophic error a guy like brian schottenheimer may have made it in the past but Georgia doesn't make those kind of mistakes anymore. And that, my friends, is a very good thing. That is also around the doghouse here on Dog Nation Daily here today. Now, I'm going to talk to John Stinchcomb here coming up in a moment. We'll keep our conversation about Georgia football going with him. But prior to that, let's congratulate our first 
winner of the week of our Kroger Perfect Moms giveaway. Great collection of gift cards. Going the way of today's winner is Laura Arona from Fayetteville, Georgia. Beautiful picture there of the Arona family. Boy, you love to see that. Laura Arona, our Kroger Perfect Mom giveaway winner today. Uh, uh, Laura is also nominated by her husband, Jared. So, Jared, thank you so much for nominating Laura here on that. And what a great story that, uh, that, that Laura has to tell there. Great, great winner. Appreciate that. So congratulations to Jared nominating uh, Laura there on that. She, he calls Laura the greatest wife on the planet. Bless me with four beautiful daughters. Uh, by the way, the oldest currently serving the United States Air Force there too. Huge college football fan. Uh, text me updates anytime away from the TV. Boy, that's a, a great thing to see. Devoted wife, mother, and DGD herself. Great story there told uh, by uh, Laura's husband, Jared, who nominates her. Congratulations to Laura Arona for being our Dog Nation Kroger Perfect Mom winner for today. And we'll have a Kroger Perfect Mom winner each day for the rest of the week there as well. And of course, don't forget when it comes to the greeting cards or the flowers or the maybe the food for that great cookout meal you might want to do for your mom this weekend, which is always, I believe, a great idea. Whatever your plans are for all of that. Uh, our friends uh, at Kroger get you covered on all of that. So you can stop by and see them in store. You can go to Kroger.com slash Mother's Day and just get all of that ready for the big day coming up on Sunday. Kroger, a great resource for you as you're getting ready for Mother's Day. All right, so before we're done on today's show, pretty funny golden shoe related to kind of the big news of the weekend, kind of away from college football, we'll tell you about that. There is one SEC team, though, that has worked very hard to get better here over the course of the next couple of days. Have they succeeded? Will this ultimately make a difference? We'll let you decide for yourself here. We'll tell you all about that coming up. Uh, but for now, on everything going on around Georgia football, just a fun Monday conversation to be able to have, let's welcome in the great former Georgia All-American, John Stinchcomb, here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Uh, glad to have John Stinchcomb on the program today. And, John, before you joined us, just for some fun, we played some Nolan Smith audio. Uh, how much do you love a guy like Nolan who, you know, listen, you know, he goes on, he's going to make big bucks playing the NFL, life-changing, sort of generational-type wealth as a first-round draft pick, and yet – you know, when he's being interviewed with his introductory press conference and stuff like that, he's still kind of representing Georgia very well. He's, you know, kind of making fun of you know, Florida and doing stuff like that. If you're a Georgia fan, this is one of the things, John, that's kind of attracting so many Georgia fans to Philadelphia right now is the fact that not only do they have former UGA players, but they got guys like Nolan who seem just as proud of that Georgia pedigree and that UGA heritage as, as he ever was, even though he's got such a bright future ahead of himself. I just think that's a great thing to be able to see. Absolutely. He's a DGD by definition. And, you know, you look up the, the word or the term and, and you see a picture of Nolan Smith, and he's not alone. The Kobe Dean, Jordan Davis, the guys that have preceded him in, in Philly's locker room have always represented the G uh, at the highest level. And, and Nolan Smith is a guy that, you know, you, when you talk about him as a player, one of the quickest things that comes out of people's mouths is his leadership ability and i think that comes with uh, not only what will be seen in georgia and what he's done uh with the locker room but when he represents and you talk to media he's always done such an exceptional job of uh lifting everyone else up around him and anytime you can lift up some dogs and also kick a gator in yeah. the same breath it makes you smile well, it makes me smile too, John, because, you know, to be, I guess, serious about this for a moment, I love the idea that in this day and age when we're always kind of bracing for change in college football, you know, things are different and we're trying to hold on to tradition and the kind of, I guess, the financial motivation sometimes make it a little bit difficult to hold on to these traditions. The idea that a young guy like Nolan Smith still kind of values rivalries the same way that an old head like me would. I really like that. I, I, th I think that's both good for Georgia competitively because I do believe that beating your rivals like Florida is a first step towards, you know, qualifying for the SEC championship and then making the college football playoff after that and then winning a national championship after that. I, I think beating rivals is sort of the first step towards all of that. So I think that's, you know, really valuable. But also, I think a lot of us want college football to feel different than the NFL. Now, there are rivalries in the NFL, 
But, you know, these things that make our sport what it is, we want those things to remain the way they are. And when Nolan is up there, you know, in Philly kind of claiming, you know, a Georgia side and a rivalry with Florida, it not only, I think, speaks to the culture here at Georgia, but I think it makes some of us feel good that the culture overall in college football maybe isn't changing all that much, that even with all the newness we're having to get used to, there is still something to be said for it's just still fun to go out there and beat your rival on a Saturday. Yeah, and he's from the state of Georgia, so he knows it. I think he was uh, born and raised aware of the Georgia-Florida rivalry, and I, it's not lost on me that Kirby um, has promoted the importance of that rivalry from uh, his position, from the, from the head coach seat. So even for guys that aren't from Georgia may not know the history and the depths of which the uh, you know fan and bad bloods exist, that at least there's an awareness that this is an important game. If you look at the SEC East, there's always, uh, you know, who's your, who's your threat? It's always, you know, Florida's in that conversation. So I think an appreciation and respect for current standings, even though there is a, a string of Georgia dominance, which doesn't appear to be in threat, at least not in the short term, but uh, th- there's an importance there that when you're at the top of the heap and, and your side of the, conference and in your division that you want to recognize and maintain that advantage that you have and for a guy like nolan that's that's from georgia uh he's seen enough of those previous years to appreciate the position that georgia finds itself in now i want to go back to something i talked about last week uh as it relates to carson Beck. Beck had kind of a revealing interview we talked about some early setbacks he had at uga you know, first of all, the weirdness of 2020 when he comes in as a true freshman, Georgia, by his own admission, had a very strange quarterback situation that year with Newman here. Then he opted out. You know, you had Juan Mathis starting the first game. Obviously, that didn't work out too well. JT was here, but kind of injured. No one knew what Stetson Bennett even was at the time. <laughs> the idea that he would go on to win two straight national championships was uh, was not even in anyone's imagination there at that point. And, and Carson kind of acknowledged how weird that was that year. Plus, all the Zoom meetings was a very disconnected quarterback room. And then, you know, Carson had his chance in 2021 to step on the field, get a chance to play. And once again, by his own admission, he just wasn't quite ready to take the reins after JT was hurt after that Clemson game. And, John, I don't mind telling you, and I told our audience, you know, th- this past week that around that time, I just wasn't quite so sure what Georgia had in Carson Beck. That's not to say that I thought he was a bad quarterback or, you know, believed he'd never succeed. It just was one of those things of, I'm just not quite so sure about this right now. I'm not really quite so sure what kind of quarterback prospect this is. Well, gosh, if I ever had any kind of doubts about Carson, at least in terms of his demeanor for the job, boy, I think a lot of that was really answered during spring practice. Now, he actually performs. We won't know that until the fall. But in terms of his appearance, his readiness, sort of looking the part, well, I thought in the spring he passed that test with flying colors. How much are you impressed with what seems like, to me, from the outside looking in, a lot of maturity, a lot of growth from Carson to go from kind of an odd senior year in high school where he kind of lost a lot of his you know, talent from his previous year to a pandemic year at Georgia where he didn't even have a spring practice to a 2021 year in which he had a chance to play but kind of missed out on that opportunity to where he is now, just as cool as a cucumber, smooth sailing, you know, really very few you know, kind of setbacks here this particular year. How much are you impressed with the overall growth and maturity that Carson seems to have displayed? Yeah, there, there's two storylines in that one story that really stick out to me. One, it's the development of talent. And across the board, I think the University of Georgia, if there was a uh, shortcoming or a, an Achilles heel, it was not the ability to, to recruit high-level players. I think Georgia's done that pretty consistently. But the development of them, of, of those players has certainly been increased in the Kirby Smart era. I think you look across the board and, um, you know, I think the pool of four- and five-star guys has, has increased on an annual basis, yes. But the, the biggest difference is the development of talent and guys buying into it. In an era, and this is kind of the second point for Carson, he could have gone other places, had better opportunities early, but his recognition of, Georgia's still the best place for me. I'm still developing as a player. And when my time comes, I'll be ready for that spotlight. I think speaks volumes of uh, not only the program, but his uh, personal awareness. I, I agree with the assessment that he probably wasn't there uh, if the opportunity had presented itself a year or two earlier. 
um, it, it would be a different storyline and, and different headlines when you're talking about Carson Beck. And now that he's had time to be in the program and, and understand and see what it takes uh, week in and week out and develop his skills outside of uh, the, the glaring spotlight of being the starting quarterback at the University of Georgia on a Saturday, um, I think really does speak volumes to his character and his commitment to, to develop as a player. And uh, I think we're all hopeful that that translates to his success and Georgia's success come this fall. But what we've seen so far, um, one, from other players, but two, what we saw from, the, uh, from him, from Carson in the spring, and uh, what the program has been able to do, I think all, all indicators lead towards a very promising, very encouraging uh, fall for Carson in, in this Georgia offense. Yeah, I just think there's something kind of cool about his willingness to talk about this because I, I think by acknowledging what it was, hey, I had my shot, I was mad that I didn't you know, take advantage of it, but I also realized I wasn't ready. Or the 2020 thing of not sugarcoating that of, yeah, man, that was really weird. There was this kind of weird vibe. Mm-hmm that exists around our position there at that point in time. To me, it takes a certain level of maturity to be able to recognize those things from his recent past and articulate the fact that what appeared to be true from the outside looking in, from his perspective, yeah, that really was true. And to me, John, as a Georgia fan who wants Carson to succeed, this has just sort of made me be a little bit more confident in that. You know, I'm always very careful to kind of you know project things I haven't seen with my own eyes. When it comes to playing games and kind of a big opportunity, we haven't seen Carson do that. We don't yet know how he will perform if he's put in that moment, if he indeed is the starting quarterback. But listening to the way in which he's able to describe his path at Georgia, it has made me a little bit more confident that, yeah, you know what, he might really be ready if he really is called upon as the Georgia starter here this season. Doesn't it feel like a decade ago when we're talking about the Jamie Newman yeah. transfer and that whole situation? So to think that that is a part of uh, Carson's story is, uh, you know, amazing to me. There's been so much football played since those were headlines that everyone was discussing, and uh, I, I agree that you know we won't know exactly what it looks like on the field until we actually play those games and we get to see Carson as the starter, but. I think one of the greatest attributes a player can have and certainly a quarterback can have is awareness, awareness of, of where you're at and what you're capable of. And his admissions that, you know, I am a different player. I was, I was not ready then, I think speaks to uh, that 30,000-foot view, that capability of, of seeing things in a different way. And, and some guys get buried in just the now and, and – can't see the forest for the trees kind of situation where they just get upset because they're not playing and fail to recognize that they don't they're not developed enough to actually take advantage of the opportunity if it were given to them and i think the worst situation a player can go through is have a an opportunity given or handed to them when they're not prepared it it can shell a guy's confidence and um, you know, a lot of players find their own value in, well, as long as I'm playing. Well, the flip side of that coin is uh, they, they leave off a word. As long as I'm playing, and that next word needs to be well. Yeah. Because if you get out there and you're not playing well, then it's bad for everyone. You start reading, you know, you're reading your name in, in, in the press, and it's because you're not taking advantage of those opportunities because you weren't prepared. So, for a guy like Carson, I think it's much better for you to re- recognize, uh, you know, I'm not there yet, but I'm working on it, and the team has allowed me the opportunity to continue to develop my skills, and it's going to be to my advantage when I finally take that field that I'm a much much better player when I do. So I want to transition here. I don't even think we fully cleaned up the mess from Kansas City where the last draft took place, but we're already reacting to early 2024 mock drafts. I'm happy to report here to you, John. And uh, Todd McShay from ESPN's got kind of an early look at the first round, and we see a couple of Georgia guys in there. You see Javon Bullard at safety. Boy, I think that'd be amazing to see a guy like that become a first-round pick just given the journey he's been through. Obviously, I'll be rooting for that. I think that Brock Bowers, who McShay has in there, I think he's one of the best players in the sport, so I think he should be certainly a very high first-round pick if there's any justice in the world how good Brock is. But a name that's not there, I'm kind of curious to hear you discuss here for a moment, that's Amarius Mims. I guess from a draft standpoint, the knock on Amarius next year is going to be that he's not as experienced as some offensive tackles can be. 
But, John, my thought here is I'm not an expert. You played the position. I obviously did not. But my thought here is is that Amarius may be the kind of elite top-level player in the Georgia roster that very few people know a ton about right now. It's not a full-season starter a year ago. Did start a couple of games in the college football playoff. But to me, he's like one of those – kind of top shelf front end type players that all championship teams have to have assuming he stays healthy I believe he's going to be not just one of the best you know players in the Georgia roster I, I really think he has a chance to be one of the best players in the sport regardless of position how good do you think Mims is am I overselling him right now because to me he's sort of the next big thing on the Georgia roster you know his position what do you think about Amarius? Yeah, I think he's uh has the potential to be a top 20 pick and, and be the next in the Georgia uh, line of, of offensive tackles taken in that early part of the first round. And I think if you were to look back a year ago, we certainly weren't talking about Broderick Jones being a uh, early first-round draft pick and, and one of the highest ceiling players from this year's draft. I think we were going to be honest with ourselves. We would say, yes, he's got the capability, but He's probably two seasons away, expecting another year from Broderick back in uh, red and black. And Amarius, I I think, has probably as high, if not higher, uh, ceiling than than what Broderick has. And that's not to take anything away from Broderick. His athleticism and his opportunities have been hard-earned. But uh, Amarius is another one of those guys that just has a skill set that you don't come across often. Not only is he huge, but he also moves really well. He's coachable, and we've seen development. So, uh, you know, you have to play well. You have to put the film out there, as Broderick did this past season. But the the ability to do so is most certainly in Marius's favor. And uh, I, I think it's justifiable that he's not, you know, that early name that's getting those projections uh, right now. By the end of the season, I think that's a much, much different story. I want to ask you a question here to close out, and I want us to come to this from the fan perspective, if you don't mind. Um, we've gotten more details about what the 2024 and 2025 college football playoff format is going to look like. This came out a few days ago. And to me, this seems like a good thing, but I do want to acknowledge the fact that some fans have some concerns here. So, John, what we found out is, is that for those like – you know, obviously the top four seeds get there by and they won't play till the quarterfinals in one of those neutral site, you know, kind of New Year's Six style bowl games. And after the first two years of this, the New Year's Six contracts come to an end. So all of that could change after two years of this new playoff format. But for now, the New Year's Six games will be, you know, kind of quarterfinal type games for uh, this the, the college ball playoff. The That means that the five, six, seven, eight seeds will then host 9, 10, 11, 12 in a, in a, in a home game environment to begin the college ball playoff. And like in 2024, um, the first of these is like the Friday before Christmas. Then there are like three on Saturday, like right before Christmas. Some fans are like, gosh, you know, you're sure are encroaching on Christmas for the college ball playoff. Does that feel big? And then you've got, you know, semifinal national championship kind of taking place on like a Thursday and a Friday, which seems like in the eyes of some sort of a weird time to have your biggest games. Are you concerned about that at all? I mean, to me, I believe that the weirdness will be overcome by the fact that I think this is going to be good football, and I think the presence of of home game playoffs, either going to somebody else's venue or having a team in your own venue one of these days, you know, maybe uh, Georgia getting a chance to do that, or avoiding that early round and getting the bye to the next round, I think this becomes a pretty fun conversation. I think the 12-team playoffs probably better than the four, but there are some fans who had some concerns once they saw the actual particulars of the days of the week, the dates of the year. These are not really connected to holidays. Uh, when you get into the January stuff, these are just sort of random weeknights, which people have to work. Is that a concern for you that we're kind of getting away from, I guess, big events for these college ball playoff situations? We're doing a lot more of this stuff during the week and kind of close to Christmas. Does that bother you? Yes, I think logistic. I love the idea of 12 teams, honestly. I think that's what the direction has been pointed at since you started the college football playoff system. But execution matters. And I don't know about you, but Christmas Eve, uh, there is plenty on, on everyone's sure. plates that sure. is already pretty full. And then you look at the, the games that are coming midweek in January, and that those are head-scratchers to me, just like – you know, the national championship game is quite a commitment that people are making sacrifices for 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 when it's scheduled. So I, I think they could probably look at the 
calendar and, and do a much better job of um, fitting it into the average fan's life cycle, and, and that hasn't seemed to be a top priority. With that said, I think that the number one priority is recognizing that these are still student athletes, and there needs to be some awareness of how that affects uh, them as players, and, and it's more importantly, them as students. Uh, you know, I think we've seen in years past there's some eligibility issues when it starts to conflict with school, or school doesn't remain the priority that it needs to, and there's some eligibility for for players that may not be able to compete for their team. I know it was bit it bit Georgia a few years back, so. Um, I like the idea. I think the execution, you're going to have some real growing pain. Sorry, doesn't fit well with, uh, with everybody's schedule, life cycle. No, John, I think that's really well said. And I think that uh, I think you bring up some really good points. And I appreciate your time here on our program today. It's always fun to talk Georgia football with you. Obviously, we're enjoying this time of year, but the season will be here before you know it. And as we get closer to it, we're happy to have your conversation each and every week. Thanks for being here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia. And we will look forward to talking to you soon. I appreciate it, B.A. Go Dogs. Good stuff. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, I think what John says there is, is well said. I do believe the 12-team playoff is better, and I think that the overall college football playoff conversation is going to be a better one with 12 than it is with four. I just, I just genuinely do believe that. But some of the concerns that fans have of Thursday and Friday night for the semifinals or you know a national championship type thing, um, like – I, you know, kind of these weird midweek type games. I think that is a fair concern. Ultimately, I think the quality of the event will make us forget a little bit about when it's being played. I do, but I think it's kind of a fair concern to sort of point out of, you know, December 20th, December 21st. That's right there around Christmas. For those of us who have kids, you know, Christmas is a big deal. And those, you know, few days before, it's one of the reasons why I can't stand the early signing period for, you know, for, for recruiting is because, you know, it's like you know, when you have young families, things like that. You know, Christmas is just an event. I mean, it ain't a day; it's an event. It's a season, uh, and you know, anything that kind of encroaches on that's kind of a challenge. Now you get the playoff kind of in that same spot too. So, I think ultimately the CFP is big enough to alleviate those concerns. The the event will be fun enough that that it makes us forget about some of that kind of stuff. But they aren't in, insignificant points. Going to point out. You know, middle middle of the week games in January. These are not holidays. People have to work the next day. Or they're you know, if they're traveling to the game, they're taking time off for it. If they're watching at night, they're kind of bleary eyed in the morning. That's not a pleasant scenario. And the last thing I'll sort of say about this is, as long as your team, you know, if Georgia's in the college ball playoff, and the world essentially stops for Georgia in the college ball playoff around here, you know, there's a little bit of a grace period at school the next day for young kids, even in your workplace. I mean, I think for the most part. You know, people kind of understand that, oh, this is Georgia in the college football playoff. This is uh, a really big deal. But when it's not your team, and you know, as hard as it is to imagine, there may be a day someday in the future that Georgia's not playing for the national championship. I will say, you know, a Monday night game that does not involve Georgia does not feel quite as big to me. I, it's almost like the day of the national championship when Georgia hasn't been playing in it. It's like I'm, at, you know, doing my thing during the day and I almost forget the game's on. as oh, yeah, there's a college football game on night. You know, it's like, and, you know, obviously – you know my entire world is built around college football but when they play that championship game on a monday night and it's not your team you do sort of at least i kind of find myself sort of forgetting about it sometimes oh yeah college football tonight college football tonight it just sort of seems weird so i do get the idea of we're about to introduce a little bit more weirdness with more midweek games coming up with the new format but i believe the overall quality of the format will be you know good enough that it might take away from that even i mean I'm actually semi-excited about the idea of not just potentially one day Georgia hosting a playoff game, but I'm sort of excited about the idea of, you know, one of these Big Ten teams getting a chance to host a playoff game and somebody having to go play in the cold. I, mean, I, I, just, I feel like we're about to have some stuff in college football we really haven't had in the past. I think that makes for kind of a fun conversation. But nonetheless, uh, 
avoiding the cold is normally what we want to do around here and there's no better way to avoid cold weather wherever you might be than on a wonderful royal caribbean cruise vacation so as we get ready to go cruise around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean i'll tell you there's more and more conversation happening around my household because we realize that coming up what next month we're taking a short uh getaway on board a royal caribbean cruise ship we're gonna be on uh having a great time a little weekend cruise for uh, my family taking my mom my brother and his wife and kids coming with us that's one of the things i've never never actually done this before this is my first kind of thing where you like you get the big group on board now obviously we took 200 some people on the dog nation cruise so we've done a you know we've done a big group for sure but uh i'm talking about when it comes to, like the extended family type thing we have the you know just kind of you know kind of a fun extended family type you know cruise uh, getting together i've never quite done that before i'm looking forward to being able to do that coming up next month so uh conversations happening about happening about that each and every day around my house you know which shore excursions we want to do what we want to do while we're on board uh, the ship all the fun stuff related to that so if you want to have something to look forward to this summer like my family does uh jessica slater a great travel agent help you do all that you can give her a call 770-718-9147 that's 770-718-9147 she can help you out with all of that and if you're watching video you see some footage there uh at least kind of a artist rendition of what it's going to look like when icon of the sea set sail next january we've even had some chats around my house of is there a chance early winter next year could we could we get on board icon of the seas can we make that happen i feel like my job of telling you all about royal caribbean made so much better easier to do my job if i can tell you about the full array of uh, product offerings that royal caribbean has and obviously icon the new one coming up this winter so hopefully i get a chance to be a part of that january 2024 it set sail now our music is ended but we're just now getting started on cruiser on the sec courtesy of royal caribbean so let me do a couple of things here and this is important uh can i have your attention for a moment uh auburn added a transfer quarterback over the weekend and i do think this is kind of interesting or at least the last couple of days i forget what day it happened and i think it's very difficult to evaluate exactly what this is going to mean for auburn but it's probably not a bad thing to have an experienced player we can start with that but peyton thorne comes to auburn from michigan state now, the most important thing to know about Thorne is this. He has played a good bit of football. So for a program like Auburn that just needs more quarterbacks on the roster, bringing in a guy with you know a lot of experience is probably a good thing. So just at face value, better to have Thorne on your roster than not. But the obvious question that not only would Auburn fans be asking, but those of us who are interested in Auburn because our team plays them, the, the question we're all asking is, well, how good can Thorne be? And here's where things I think get a little bit tricky. I think Thorne at his best, you want to go back to 2021 season, you probably thought you, you probably saw Peyton Thorne at his best, at least at times. Thorne at his best, I think, can be pretty good. So I think at the at sort of the high end of the Thorne level performance, you're talking about a guy who probably rises to the level of being an SEC starting quarterback. Not an all SEC guy necessarily, not the best quarterback in the league necessarily but someone who just sort of exceeds the 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 threshold of what's required to start a quarterback in the SEC Thorne at his best going back to you know two years ago when Michigan State was a winning team uh Thorne at his best probably exceeds that 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 benchmark but now here's where things get tricky he was also you know put on the bench from time to time there at uh, uh Michigan State he had some shaky moments at times there at Michigan State so while the best of Peyton Thorne probably is an sec level starter and if you're an sec capable starter working with a quarterback friendly coach like hugh freeze and we do believe that freeze is a great coach of quarterbacks a very sharp quarterback tutor well at that point in time that marriage probably works out to be something very successful at least potentially you know an sec level starter working with a quarterback coach like freeze uh that could be something you know fairly successful but on the flip side when thorne has been at his worst it's not even obvious that he's better than Robbie Ashford, who likely would be the starter if no transfer came in. So the point here is, is there's a chance that Peyton Thorne wins this job and is a fairly capable quarterback for Auburn this season. There's also a chance that he really can't beat out Robbie Ashford because I guess the one big knock on Thorne would probably be that, you know, you go back and look at like the 2021 season when he was sort of at his best. Um his games that year against ranked opponents you know he basically you know didn't exactly show out very well against ranked opponents really didn't play much better against good competition than Robbie Ashford would have a year ago so the overall takeaway the best that I can tell and Auburn fans may tell you differently this would be one of those cases where I would listen to what they had to say on this particular topic but the best I can tell is 
is that Thorne is being brought in, but he's going to have to compete for the job. I would make him the favorite to win the Auburn starting quarterback job, I believe. Um, but this is likely to be one of those situations where we still hear from Robbie Ashford too. I don't think they'll play both quarterbacks as a two quarterback system, but you know, the odds are you probably hear from both Thorne and Ashford at some point this 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 year that Thorne could win the job. I think pound for pound he's probably a better quarterback than Robbie Ashford is, but Ashford's clearly the better athlete. Uh Thorne could win the job, could be capable, but you know, this is not exactly a, you know, sort of plug and play automatic solution that's quarterback situation. Now what is interesting, in addition to bringing in Thorne at quarterback, Auburn also brings in uh, Caleb Burton. This is a wide receiver, you know, former four-star, you know, pretty highly rated recruit in the class of 2022. Been at Ohio State, has not been playing at all there, and you know the story as to why. They just are so deep at wide receiver. So this is one of those, you know, talented Ohio State receivers. They always seem to have, you know, guys on their bench that could play other places. In the case of Burton, uh, well, he's going to get a chance to show that there at Auburn. So Hugh Freeze called a shot here prior to the conclusion of spring practice and as the transport portal was opening up they wanted to be very aggressive now they still probably haven't brought in exactly what free said they were looking for but they brought in a receiver from ohio state that's only going to get some attention a uh, quarterback from michigan state with a lot of starting experience uh seemingly content to let guys like you know case thompson go other places i guess thompson but he's looked around at what fau so seems like you know can you know content to let him go somewhere else uh, kind of focusing their attention on Thorne instead. So interesting weekend for Auburn when it comes to transfer portal, trying to upgrade the roster for Hugh Freeze's first season. Also, speaking of Georgia rivals, we talked about Florida off the top of the program. Gators did find out here in the last couple of days they're going to get a chance to host five-star wide receiver Jeremiah Smith on an official visit. Now, Smith's also planning on taking an uh, official visit to Georgia, I believe the reports are. Uh, but Smith also going to visit Florida there as well. And listen, obviously florida fans are silly if they get their hopes up on this too much i would have a hard time imagining that jeremiah smith would take them seriously although he has visited there a couple of times and he's at least giving them an official but right now billy napier just needs good news wherever you can get it you know napier's been traveling around the state doing like a lot of coaches are that kind of barnstorming you know rubber chicken you know sort of booster club type circuit thing and as he travels reporters follow him and you know he's continuing to be asked questions about how he's handled the transfer portal we told you about this we laugh about this but the actual topic here does not come from like georgia fans or gator haters it comes from florida fans themselves and the media that serves those florida fans by covering the gators program about exactly how florida's handled the transfer portal and uh only really hosting one spring visitor from the portal it was the defensive back from michigan and ultimately florida won the battle for its services but they haven't hosted any other transfer recruits this spring other than that napier defending his process some people thinking that florida's a little slow moving when it comes to how they entertain transfers and how they evaluate transfers even uh napier stands by what they're doing there on that but the point is is that that uh, uh sunbelt billy here getting a little bit of uh heat from his own program in terms of kind of how he's handling the talent acquisition process right now so even getting a, an official visit from a guy like jeremiah smith that ain't nothing for a guy like napier there right now and then finally i'll mention this we talked, uh, was it Friday show, about uh, 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 Dennis Dodd from CBS Sports doing a re-release of his way to early top 25 post-spring practice. And obviously Georgia at number one when we talked about you know that and you wouldn't expect anything less. Did notice, though, that Dodd also had South Carolina in at number 20. Now, you know, this is one of those things where it seems like opinion right now is pretty divided on the Gamecocks. You've got a guy like Dodd who seems to be pretty high on them. Other preseason top 25s don't include south carolina but it's fair to point out this was a team that concluded last season in the regular season anyway by beating clemson by beating tennessee those were very big wins spencer rattler obviously comes back one of the more experienced quarterbacks now in the sec you know new offensive coordinator there with dow loggins we'll see what kind of impact that makes they were hurt by the transfer portal a bit but interesting to see dodd kind of high on south carolina here that's a september game for georgia uh, Gamecocks come to Athens. I believe the early look ahead line right now is Georgia favored by 24 points. Uh, so the game's not expected to be close. But when you think about swing teams that, you know, could be top 25 level good, could be outside the top 25, South Carolina, one of those interesting teams that uh, has a chance to, to really take a step in year three of Shane Beamer. But obviously, just given the nature of the SEC schedule, uh, guaranteeing something like that, never an easy thing to do. So interesting look there at the Gamecocks when it comes to Dennis Dye. We'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. 
And obviously this weekend, whether you wanted to or not, you had the uh, coronation out there in England. Uh, new, new, new King just dropped. Uh, uh, coronation out there in England just all in your face all weekend long. Could not escape that. And as you might imagine, we had a golden shoe uh, themed around the uh, coronation of the king. So on the left there, I, I put this there, one of the pictures. I mean, just something like, like Charles does not come across as a cool dude. He just doesn't. And somehow you put, I wouldn't have thought this would be humanly possible, but somehow he looks like an even bigger dork with the crown on his head. Like you think like king of England. I mean, that's like, you know, Henry, Henry the eighth. I mean, that's like a lot of alpha dudes have sort of been king of England, but somehow Charles looks like an even bigger dork with the king garb on. But nonetheless, uh, Kev Dog writes in, the coronation of the Kang already happened. The entire country is going to bend the knee to Kang Kirby and his army, <laughs> army signature death march in the fall. Pomp and circumstance will commence in Athens, January 2024. And he shares the uh, fun edit that uh, ESPN once did of Kirby Smart wearing the King garb. Look how, look how cool Kirby looks with the King garb on. He's got Ugga, a very stately looking dog sitting next to him. Much cooler there than... Uh, Charles, King King Charles, M you know, much, much cooler there on all that. Kev Dog, well-earned golden shoe for you. By the way, lousy, stinking gators. We talked about them off the top of the show. Nolan Smith certainly endorses this. Back in Jacksonville, 173 days from right now, beaten up on Florida again. That is our Gator Hater Countdown. We do it every single day because we believe a good Georgia fan is a Gator Hater first and foremost. And we will see you back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia.